0: Hey everyone, Ian here. I'm so beyond excited to announce that this is our very first episode and I'm sure you'll love the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Thank you. There have been many great women throughout time all doing things that were beyond the norm, often hidden behind the veil of oppression, but as we move forward and entered modern society women have been gaining and still are fighting for the equality their greatness deserves. Hello, my name is Ian and I'll be joining you on this journey for knowledge and hopefully to gain a new perspective. This episode will be looking into the life of Dr. May C. Jemison, a doctor, engineer, and astronaut who became the first African American woman to travel to the great beyond. The year 1956, date October 17th. May C. Jemison is born in Decatur, Alabama. She's the youngest of three siblings. And during these years in Alabama, progress for the freedom of African Americans was being pushed. But the battle for freedom was far from over. In 1956, the courts finally ruled segregation on public buses as unconstitutional. May's mother, she taught elementary school And her father, he was a maintenance supervisor. A few years had passed after her birth when the family decided that they would pack up their things and leave Alabama behind. And they chose Chicago, Illinois as their new home. Growing up, she would always enjoy watching the Apollo launches, but found herself upset that the missions never included women. This made the spark begin. But it wasn't until she tuned in to Star Trek when she finally found an inspiration.
1: Space, the final frontier.
0: She knew she had to go to space, and she was going to make it happen. When she graduated on dedication and pursuit in 1973, she was only 16. And if that wasn't impressive enough, she went to Stanford University. Being one of the only African-American students at Stanford University, May faced tough challenges as she was met with discrimination and ignorance. Her majors were chemical engineering and African-American studies. So if the workload wasn't challenging enough, she had the added pressure of dealing with the discriminatory practices of her white peers. But given all these challenges, she still succeeded and even found time to become the president of the Black Student Union. And in 1977, she graduated from Stanford with a bachelor's of science in chemical engineering and a bachelor of arts in African-American studies. Her journey for education didn't end there and she desired to go to medical school, so she began attending Cornell. During her studies, she traveled to Cuba where she oversaw a study for the American Medical Student Association. Shortly after that, she also found her way to Cambodia to help refugees. And in 1981, Dr. May C. Jemison graduated from Cornell with a doctorate in medicine in just four years after she graduated from Stanford. In 1983, she knew she wanted to go beyond and help others, so she left to serve in the Peace Corps as a medical officer for four years. She decided Africa was the best route for her, and she began to serve the Sierra Leone and Liberia. She was fluent in Russian, English, Japanese, and Swahili, so you could call her a jack-of-all-trades. 1983 wasn't just the year for the Peace Corps, it was also a moment that she got to see the first woman in space, Sally Ride. This awakened her desire to reach the sky once again. She applied shortly after in 1985, but some grave news was broadcasted in 1986, causing NASA to take a break from recruiting.
1: CBS News, this is Doug Poling. What appears to be a terrible tragedy at the Kennedy Space Center, the shuttle Challenger with seven crew members exploded shortly after it was launched about 20 minutes ago. Challenger exploded and went down in flames less than two minutes into launch. It went out of control and appears to have fallen into the ocean. We have no word on the fate of the crew. CBS News correspondent Christopher Glenn is at the Space Center. Chris, what can you tell us now? Doug, I was um,
2: watching the launch. Everything appeared to be going well. We were doing our broadcast and had just signed off, and about 10 seconds later, this was about 45 or 50 seconds into the flight, uh... There appeared to be a, a an orange flame shoot out from one side of the shuttle Challenger. It seemed uh, almost to split in two. The main body of the rocket then uh, went into some uh, gyrations for a few seconds and then debris started falling down into the sea. And we could see it happen. It was indeed a terrible sight. It was terrible for the mission controllers, too, and this was their first reaction. We the have heard... ...looking it. very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. We have no downlink. So that was the way mission control gave the news to the world um, that Shuttle Challenger had exploded. Apparently all the crew members, uh, none of them did survive.
1: All right, we hear that ships and helicopters have raced to the area around the control center, and we also hear that paramedics have... Uh, leaped into the water, apparently, to try to find any of the survivors. The crew members on this uh, uh, ship are Commander Dick Scoby, Pilot Mike Smith, and crew members Judy Resnick, Ellison Ozanuka, Ron McNair, and uh, Greg uh, Jarvis. Also, Kristen McAuliffe, a school teacher who was to become the nation's first civilian in space.
0: A year after, in 1987, she was accepted into NASA out of over 2,000 applicants making her one out of the 15 chosen. After years of training and preparation, she would now get her chance to go to space. And in 1992, she would board the space shuttle Endeavour. This mission found the team to make 127 orbits around the Earth. Only to return on September 20th, 1992, to Florida and the Kennedy Space Station. After Jemison left NASA in 1993, she started a consulting company that encourages science, technology, and social change called the Jemison Group. She even got to appear in Star Trek Next Generation. She's on the board of directors for many organizations, a few, Scholastic Inc., Texas State Product Development, Texas Medical Center, and the Morehouse College. At the moment, she's currently living in Houston, Texas, where she works for DARPA, better known as the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. The project is working to make space travel to another star possible in the next 100 years. She is an icon for women's rights and civil rights, which marked her induction into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1993 and the International Space Hall of Fame in 2004. There's more you can learn about Dr. Macy Jemison, and she is still alive today. Hopefully we'll get to talk one day, Dr. Jemison. you have become one of my new Heroes. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the journey of Dr. May C. Jemison. I'd love to hear any recommendations you may have to make this podcast a better experience for you. And I'd love to also hear your thoughts on Dr. Jemison. Or maybe you remember seeing her on TV and like to tell me that. Also, don't forget, You can support my show by going to anchor.fm slash womengineering, spelled A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash W-O-M-E-N-G-I-N-E-E-R-I-N-G, where you can give a donation of any amount. It helps me to create new episodes every week and create new and engaging content. Next Wednesday, August 19th, I will be posting a new episode where I will be interviewing an engineering student whose perseverance got her to where she is today. I look forward to going on the next journey with you, and I hope you'll come back next Wednesday. Until then, bye.